Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. Thanks for tuning in, listening in here on your favorite podcasting app or whatever whatever way you're listening to the Growing in Grace podcast. Maybe you're right there on our website, growingingrace.org, where every single podcast from the past uh, 17 plus years is, has been archived. So you can um, listen in there. You can find any episode and all episodes there. And as I think Cap mentioned last week, there's a, a search feature if you want to find out if we've talked about any particular topic, um, uh, you can just type it in in the search engine there and uh, see if anything comes up. I'm Joel Brzezicki with Mike Kapler, Growing in Grace at growingingrace.org, talking about forgiveness, uh, the once-for-all forgiveness that we have through Christ. It's exciting stuff, and it's almost sad to me, how do I put this, how how exciting it is. It's not that it's exciting. That's not what's sad, but just that so many people in the body of Christ worldwide don't um, have this understanding of, of freedom and of life and of f- forgiveness. I'm trying to put this in a way that just says that it's not that it's anything great that we have done where we have this understanding. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying that this, I think that what we talk about here, this for, this once for all forgiveness, is the understanding that the body of Christ is supposed to have. This is why Jesus Christ came. He came to take away our sins. He came to give us new life. Uh, all by what he did and by nothing that we do. And so many people are living in this trying to attain what Christ has already attained for us, and it's something that they can't even attain. None of us can attain this by ourselves. We can't do it. What we could not do, God did. Now, Paul said that what the law could not do, God did in Christ. You know, the one thing the law could not do is give us life, make us perfect. It could certainly demand that you needed to be perfect. It could demand that you shall do this, you shall not do that. The law made all these demands and is good, just, perfect, and holy. The law is all of those things, but what it could not do was make us good, just, holy, perfect, righteous, sanctified. It had no power to do that. So what the law could not do, God did, uh, through Christ and Christ alone. And as we've been talking about for the last few, uh, several weeks, talking uh, about Hebrews, I think we went back to Hebrews 6, 7, 8, 9, we're in Hebrews 10. It solidifies all of this, that the sanctification that we have is permanent, that the, the uh, redemption that we have is eternal. It's something that we can take for granted because God willed for it to happen, as we talked about last week. It was his will, it was his idea, it was his doing, and we simply get to believe it and receive all the benefits of it. Sounds too good to be true, but it is absolutely true, and it is absolutely good. Well, this is this is just, I, I, I just hope people get this stuff, Joel. Even if you've been walking in grace for a while, getting away from all the legalistic religious mumbo-jumbo that's out there, this is something that we have to continue to, to keep hearing, to keep mm-hmm. talking about, to keep growing in. Um, we mentioned a couple of weeks back, growing 
in the knowledge of the truth is is kind of an eternal forever process but even here with our short time on this planet um in this life there's there's so much to to absorb from all of it you think you get a big nugget and then there's there's just a whole bunch more uh, and we we talked last week you know where the holy spirit witnesses to us or testifies to us and ultimately what what is that he has testified to us that he has opened up a way for us or consecrated for us a new and living way. That's what consecrated means. It just means he's opened up, he's made a way for us. He testifies to us, he made a way for us, uh, and it's all because of Jesus and and what he did. It is finished. One of my favorite Petra songs, by the way, Mm. Joel, from Mm -hmm. the old days, Uh, just such a victorious song. You know, he he paid the ransom due. I mean, he, yeah. he he did it all. He he bought us, and um, and so that that's that's the good news here is this the subject of forgiveness that we've been talking about for many weeks from from different passages, as Joel said, especially in Hebrews lately. This is a done deal. But and I, I understand some people are going to say, well, but you need to receive it. You need to believe. You need to confess Jesus. And and we're we're talking about people who are in a, a believing perspective here. Uh, we're talking to you as believers. But this included the in, entire world. And I've said this before. And I, it's okay if you want to disagree. But I think it, it will be beneficial if you can begin to see eternal life and salvation as somewhat of a parallel with forgiveness, but not necessarily the same thing. In other words, salvation couldn't come until the forgiveness factor uh, was taken care of. In other words, the forgiveness of sins needed to be dealt with first in order for people to come to life. Coming to life uh, and belief, that's an intersect. But sins of the world, Jesus dealt with them all, past, present, and future, at the cross. So so you're saying there's a difference between the forgiveness issue and the receiving life issue. I believe you can be forgiven, whoever you are, without having life. Right. You know, so forgiveness doesn't do you much good if you're if you're spiritually dead, right? But the sin issue has been has been dealt with right. uh, as far as yeah, God's never going to hold that against anybody ever again. You see, because if God's going to hold it against this guy down the street from me here, Joel, who's an atheist and, and a real uh, pain uh, in my <laughs> side, I'm making this up, actually, I don't have a neighbor like that, but suppose I did. Um, I mean, he if if God isn't going to forgive him, and he has forgiven me, then... Um, He's 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 favoring me, and, and God doesn't do that. He's you know because I haven't done anything to deserve forgiveness. I haven't done anything to be cleansed of my sin, and so that issue had to be dealt with. Jesus dealt with it. God dealt with it through Jesus once for all, and now I say believe it, trust in what Jesus did, uh, uh, and and experience this this life that. Uh, the writer here was talking about a new and living way that we can walk through now. Right, yeah, I've often said that um, forgiveness was the prerequisite. You know, if, if there was ever going to be salvation and, and new life and, you know, being made alive together with Christ, uh, you know, made alive to God through Christ, there first had to be forgiveness. That was the prerequisite, and so that was all taken care of through Christ. And then, uh, indeed, when we believe, so... That's taken care of for everybody. And then when we believe, then 
the life and everything else, the, the being born again, the being made alive together with Christ, then that is made possible through faith. So we, yeah, so, I, so having the Son brings life. Right. Uh, if you believe, you know, if, if, if you believe you have the Son, you know, if you don't, you don't. Uh, right. It, it's that simple. It, it's, it's not complicated here, but it, it might be different than what a lot of people have heard. But God is not a respecter of persons. So he's not waiting to forgive the guy down the street from me who's an atheist uh, while he forgives me. Because there's no blood being shed, you see. So there, there can't be any more forgiveness being doled out. Right. Yeah, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And the book of Hebrews does say that if there is going to be any more forgiveness, then that would mean that he would have to shed his blood. He would have to come back over and over and over again uh, and shed his blood for each sin, uh, each time a person sinned. But it's all been taken care of through the one sacrifice. So that's why I think the writer tells him having boldness uh, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's where we left off last week. You know, Hebrews 10, 19, and 20, I went through that. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. This is something that we can be fully assured in. Is one thing that I get out of what he's saying here. We can draw near to God knowing this full assurance that we have in him because he provided all this. He did all this. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience... (laughs) <laughs> you know, we have thoughts, we have things that happen, we have, we know that we've done some bad things, and so we think, well, we ha- we've got this evil conscience. No, you can have your heart sprinkled clean from that idea of, of having an evil conscience, because those thoughts, you've been made alive together with Christ, and those thoughts come from without, they're not really you. You can have your evil conscience cleansed, and your body's washed with pure water, just knowing that you've been made clean, through what Christ has done, not through what your thoughts tell you. And he says, let us hold fast the confession, and I've always contrasted this, let us hold fast the confession of your sins? No. (laughs) He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. This is, you know, confess the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Hold fast to that confession, that understanding. That acknowledgement that you have hope. The confession of Jesus, right? Yeah, the confession of him. That's where our hope is. Without wavering, for he who promised, and again, going back, you have to go back to what the writer has said previously. It's the oath that God made, the promise that God made. That's what all of this is based upon. He who promised is faithful. God who cannot lie made this oath. And that is where our hope is. It's on his oath that he made. He can't lie, so what he promised, what he made an oath about, it's going to be fulfilled. And it was fulfilled in Christ, with the blood of Christ. So, yeah, we can continue on from there then. Oh, you want me to talk Yeah, now? go ahead. I've, I've said <laughs> enough for now. I, t- I did tell people I would get to verse 26, but we might have to put that off another until t- next week. Who knows? Well, let's see if we can get to it. Uh, so we consider one another, we stir one another up for love and good works, all right? Because that's what—that's who we are now. That's a part of our new nature as children of God. We, we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I know people use this for uh, gathering together at church buildings. That's not what the writer is saying here. We've talked about this in the past. But people can get together uh, and, and assemble and encourage one another for love and good works. For if we sin willfully, uh-oh. Here's that scary verse. If we (laughs) sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but 
a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery uh, indignation, uh, which will devour the adversaries. Uh, And he goes on from there. And this is something we've covered in the past, so we'll see if we can do it quickly here this time. Joel. (laughs) Well, yeah, so I go back to uh, last week, we were reading from verse 18 of Hebrews 10. Now, where there is remission of these, and there is remission of sins, the complete remission of sins, sins been taken away, everything, there is no longer an offering for sin. So the reason there's no longer an offering for sin is because the one offering of Christ completely took away sins, period. The sins have been taken away. So there's remission of sins, so there's no longer an offering for sin. So it's been, here, it's been stated over and over for the past few chapters. Right. It's a solid point that the writer makes in this epistle. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. So focus on the second part of that right now. There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Again, why is there no longer a sacrifice for sins? Because the one sacrifice worked. So what is this? You know, if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, what is the knowledge of the truth? It's what you were talking about here, Cap, what the Holy Spirit has witnessed to us, what the Holy Spirit has said to us, all these things that we've been talking about, the one sacrifice of Jesus, taking away sins, that's the knowledge of truth. The the will of God, the body of Jesus that was offered for the sins of the world, that's the knowledge of the truth. And so if you sin willfully, there's two different ways that I can interpret this. If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no other sacrifice that you can turn to if you reject the sacrifice of Christ, because the sacrifice of Christ is the one sacrifice through which the sins of the world were taken away. So there is no other sacrifice that you can turn to. But if, but if you turn to the back to the blood of bulls and goats, is specifically what he was talking about here, then you'll have a certain fearful expectation of judgment, fiery indignation, and all of those who have rejected Moses' law without the mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much more worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace. How do you count the blood of the covenant a common thing and insult the Spirit of grace? By rejecting the one sacrifice that is the sacrifice that took your sins away, that did sanctify you. It's by rejecting that. And so... Either if you sin willfully, meaning, okay, if I do, a, you know, what sin do I commit that's not willful? Because anything I do, I do because I want to at that, in that moment. Well, if I sin willfully, there's only one sacrifice. And if I reject that sacrifice, I've, I can expect, you know, I get, I get a fearful expectation of judgment and all this stuff. The, the other way to it, uh, interpret this is that the willful sin is to reject the, the willful sin itself is the rejecting of the sacrifice of Christ. We've gone a little bit long, but we broke that rule where, we, where we're set <laughs> in, in a certain time limit. So if there's anything you want to add, I went kind of quickly there, Cap, but well, we certainly can yeah, do that. You, you want to make sure people are getting this. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies. You know, In other words, if you had a couple people, two or three people who said, hey, this guy's rejecting Moses' law, we heard him say it, they'd kill him. Um, 
reject the sacrifice of Christ and you'll experience death, spiritual death, in a different way, because there's no other sacrifice for your sins. Uh, and, and he goes on to talk about that, which is ultimately, what's he say? It's an insult to the spirit of grace to reject that one sacrifice, because the other sacrifices have come to an end. That law came to an end. Uh, there's only one thing for you to rely upon now, and that's Jesus uh, and the blood that, that was already shed for you. So that hopefully will clear up some concern for people out there. Because again, when you get caught in a verse like that, go back and see what was being said leading up to this. Just chapter 10 alone. And then if you do chapter 9, chapter 8, chapter 7, you're going to begin to see that this isn't what it appears to be at face value when you've got legalistic people out there preaching on it. Yes, and that's kind of what we, uh, hopefully, what the things we talk about will bring, um, we look at the context and, and it will bring clarity to, in, you know, like you say, instead of looking at just a verse, look at the surrounding passage and, and it brings a whole lot of clarity. More on the forgiveness of God as Growing Grace continues next week. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.